0: yeah you guys have been with us from the very beginning and so I want to start out and thank you for that obviously uh, we we are blessed To get to count on people and churches all over the country uh, who support our family faithfully every month who support us throughout the year and who make what we get to do possible really Um, and so thank you guys so much for that thank you for your hearts and your prayers and uh and definitely for your prayers last year as i was as i was stuck at home a little more than i wanted to be Um, <laughs> I uh yeah I don't I I am one of those people that you know, like my dad he he never wants to sleep away from his bed more than like two or three nights in a row and I'm one of those people that if I'm in my bed for two or three nights in a row it's weird uh so we're we're exact opposite but so we are the Allsup family um we get to be missionaries who been a worldwide I think we got a picture maybe Hopefully I put it on there. Yeah. So this is a family. They didn't all come with me today, sadly, but it's me, my wife, Jennifer, and then our kiddos, Sarah and Jude. Sarah's nine and Jude just turned seven a week or so ago. And so they are at home getting some uh, much needed home time this spring. Uh, Pastor... alluded to the fact that maybe I was, you know, stuck at home and, and not, uh, not feeling too great about that. And I was at home a little more than I wanted to be last year. But let me, let me give you an update. Let me, let me give you an update on how last year sort of unfolded. Because I think what I imagined was going to happen last year uh, didn't as much happen. Um... In January and February, we were in lots of churches before we knew about COVID, and we didn't die, and we were okay, and we didn't get sick, and it was good. And then in March, sort of the world shuts down, and all of our churches started kind of trying to figure out what to do, and everybody's going online, and pastors are preaching sermons to a video and a screen instead of a bunch of smiling faces, hopefully smiling faces, uh... And I kind of went, okay, what next? Like, what's going to happen? Because what we do as assistant directors for Asia is we speak in churches sort of all over the country. We travel constantly. We're in 30-something churches every year usually. And we're sharing the gospel, and we're getting to encourage people to missions, and we're getting to invite people to be a part of it and a partner with us in this mission. And then all of a sudden, the world shuts down. And what does that mean for us? We usually lead six to eight mission trips every year to places throughout Asia and other places around the world. What does it all mean? One March, we get the call, everything's shutting down, don't go. I was supposed to be in California preaching that weekend, and thankfully, the pastor in California said, hey, why don't you just do it via Zoom? And we're just going to let the whole church in the Zoom, and you just preach to the Zoom. And I'm like... All right, into the fire. I'd never done that before, so I learned how to use Zoom over the week. And then I preached to the church via Zoom, and somewhere in the middle of that, a light bulb went off. Wait a minute. (laughs) I should probably contact all my churches, at least for the spring, and figure out how I can do something this year, rather than sort of be locked down at home. And so... I started contacting pastors, and this was my spiel. I don't know if this would work. This was my spiel. Pastor, I know that by the time I'm scheduled to be in your church, you're going to be sick of making videos. Just let me make the video for you. And it worked. (laughs) I had all these pastors say yes, and then I had pastors start contacting me, and I finished the spring plus one for churches presented in. There were some weekends where I was preaching in Maine and California at the same time, which was cool. <laughs> Closest to Superman I've ever been. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going, okay, God, what is this, what is this year going to turn into? And in June, we were kind of tired of being at home, so I started going back out to churches. And then we booked up from July till about the 20th of December straight in churches, And we just said, if there's five people in the room, we want to come. And so we started traveling again. And from the beginning of July till mid-December, we were gone from home basically the whole time, preaching in person in churches all over the country. I tallied it up at the end of the year. And last year, we spoke in 47 churches. That's more churches than we've ever spoken in in one year before. Go God. And then I started looking at finances, because a big part of what we do is challenge people to get involved, to give, to be a partner in these projects. I'm trying to give you some good news this morning. (laughs) I tallied that up, and we raised more money last year than we've ever raised before for MANA Projects. This was in the midst of me going into churches and not asking people to give. I was just challenging people for missions. Challenging people to look outside themselves when the world was saying, look at you, take care of you, stay around you only. So what that tells me is I should stop asking, right? (laughs) No. What that tells me is that we have a God that does the miraculous. We have a God that shows up in the moments of desperation and despair and destruction and difficulty in our lives. We have a God that shows up and does incredible things beyond what we can imagine. 47 churches, more money raised for projects than ever before. How's our personal support? In March, we were nervous. In April, it wasn't great. In May, it was eh. Beginning in June, we had churches start taking us on for support. We had people come back on for support. And by the end of the year, our support was better than it's ever been before. So, good news. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story. There's a young man named Ajay Pariyar. I think I have a picture of him. And uh, Ajay, in this picture, is doing what Ajay does best. He is worshiping. He is Praising the Lord. Ajay's COVID story is interesting. Ajay grew up in a Hindu community, in a Hindu country of Nepal, in a Hindu village, and at some point came to our orphanage there, our Christian orphanage. He learned about Jesus. He came to faith in Christ. He began to teach himself how to play guitar so that he could lead worship in our orphanage every night when they had their small group meetings. And this is Ajay leading worship on one of our mission trips. We're standing on the rooftop of a small like restaurant hotel. And what you can't tell around him, well you might can tell a little bit, there's mountains all around us. And so at the end of worship, we're all standing up there on this rooftop and before long, all the kids start to filter down off the rooftop and it's just me and Ajay left. And we're looking out over the mountains and we're seeing like a house here and a house there and a few houses here and there. And there's these little villages and little pockets of people in the mountains all over the sides of these mountains, like no roads going to these places type places. And I look over at Ajay and I say, man, you see all these houses? Yeah. This was the end of 2019 when we had this conversation. And he goes, yeah. And I said, do you know how many people must be represented by all these houses? Yeah. Do you know that most of these villages where these people live, the gospel has never been shared, not once. That if I walked into that village today and I asked, do you know Jesus? Most of the people in that village would say, he doesn't live here, try the next village. No clue. I said, yeah. I said, what are we gonna do about it? I said, I don't know. And I said, well, you know it can't be me. And what do you mean? I said, look at me. (laughs) When you look like me, And you walk into that village, in that place where I obviously do not belong. Those doors are closed to me in most of those places. So what do we do about that? And Ajay looks at me, this young man, 18, 19 years old, and he says, I'll go. Man, I hear that all the time. And people in churches throughout the country, when I speak, people come up to me and they say, I want to go, I want to do missions, I want to do this. And you know what happens? Most of them, I never hear from again. Kind of like the rich, young ruler. Jesus said, go and sell what you got. Go and make make plans, make preparations, and then come and do this thing. Most people don't go make preparations and then go do it. I got a a message from Ajay about a week or two later after I was home from the trip and Ajay said, you know how I said I'd go? I said, yeah. He said, no really, I'm gonna go. There's a school down in India that teaches missions and it specifically teaches you how to get into villages and go into villages and share the gospel and plant churches and begin to worship with people. And it, I need the money to do that. Said, okay. We, tend, we happen to come for the most wealthy nation ever on the face of the planet. I think we can make that happen. Sent the money. Ajay goes to school in India. He gets there at the beginning of January. It's supposed to be three months. January, February, March happens. COVID happens. And borders shut to India, borders shut to Nepal. You can't take a plane, train, car, bus, anything across the border. You can't walk across the border. I contact Ajay and I go, dude, what are you going to do? And he said, we've talked to the people that are, that are kind of running the show here. And they said that we can stay because it probably won't last long. We just stay until it's over and we'll be good. We go home. I'm like, yeah, you need anything? No, they said we could stay for free. Free's good. Ajay got April free. He got May free. He got June free. He got July free, August, September. He finally made it home in October. Ajay got six months additional missions training for free in India because COVID hit. You want to see a God who does good even in the most desperate situations? That's a God who does good in the most desperate situations. Ajay got six months extra training. He's on his way home in October. I reach out to our orphanage director. Hey, man, I bet you're excited to have Ajay back. How's he doing? He's not back yet. What do you mean? It's been days. It's India's big, but not that big. i like, what do you mean? Oh, he decided to stop by his home village first because we're considering planting a church there. Come on. God is good. And he has plans that we can't imagine. In Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22, we see see an interesting example of God having a plan. We see an interesting example of God calling someone out of their comfort zone. I titled this message, Do Something Faith. Ajay has a do something faith. Beginning in verse 22, the Bible reads, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him, this is Jesus, to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And then we see something odd. (laughs) And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Who would have liked to have been there for that? He came to them walking on the sea, but when the disciples saw him, they did what I would do uh, walking on the sea. They were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost. Okay, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I probably would have been a little nervous about this moment, right? And they cried out in fear, but immediately, say it with me, immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, Do not be afraid. Church, in the moments of struggle, in the moments of difficulty and desperation and frustration and COVID and whatever and and, and community and and craziness in our culture, Jesus says, take heart. Do not be afraid. Like, he's here. He's with us us. And that makes a big difference. That makes all the difference. And Peter being the wild man that Peter was. Have you guys watched the show The Chosen? Peter's character in that show is exactly how I imagine Peter actually being. He's like the guy that wants to start a fight. He's playing he's doing crowd control. Jesus is like, "Relax." <laughs> like, I've totally got this, man. And Peter is a bit of a wild one. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. What was he thinking? Command me to come to you on the water. Peter's taking a giant leap out of his comfort zone. Because why? Because he believes in Jesus he believes in the power that Jesus has and he believes that Jesus' power can carry him anywhere. Church, do you believe that? If we believe that, then that means a do-something faith is the next step. Command me to come to you on the water and Jesus being the man of a few words here says, come. Peter's like, that's it? That's all you got for me? No instruction on how to do this? Uh, Anyway, that's me reading into it. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus again, immediately, reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are Son of God. A few points. Church, our faith is meant to be a do-something faith. Not a did-something, not i have-done-something, Something, but to do something. It's supposed to be a present walk with Jesus that takes us forward. There's no such thing as homeostasis in our lives. Like even in our Christian walk, even if, if, you're, if you're a believer here today and you've said yes to Jesus, man, you've got a ticket to the kingdom. You are the child of a king, but you are never meant to stand still. Because the moment we stand still, we begin to backslide. There's no homeostasis. Peter knew that. Peter saw that. In Matthew 14, we see the disciples on a boat. We see Jesus and Peter having a little chat. We see Peter called out, but Peter has a choice. Just like we do, the Great Commission Jesus tells us to go into all nations, right? To tell this good news, to go everywhere and make disciples and do all these things and share this good news. And a lot of us make the choice not to. Peter had a choice. I think it's interesting to think about the fact that Peter was a fisherman. You see, Peter knew what a boat was for, church, Peter knew that a boat was to get you from point A to point B across the water safely, hopefully smoothly, but if not smoothly, at least safely. Peter knew what a boat was for. He had grown up on boats. He was a fisherman. His dad was a fisherman. His grandpa was probably a fisherman. Like Peter, when he got a leak in his boat, he didn't spit out his bubble gum and stick it in the leak and hope for the best like I would. Like, Peter knew what to do with the boat. I'd like to submit to you that maybe the boat was Peter's comfort zone. Maybe the, but the boat represents Peter's comfort zone, church. It's the place that he knew best. And Jesus called him out of it. I think that's interesting. I, mean, I think we all have a comfort zone, Right? Like We all have people and places that we go and, and people that we're around and people that we're not around and people that we talk to and people that we don't talk to. We have jobs and cars and houses and clothes and whatever is our comfort zone. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mike, I'm not the missionary that stands in front of you and tells you that every one of us has to sell everything and give everything to the poor and I am one that knows a lot of those people. (laughs) I, I am one that knows that some of us maybe should do that. But God gives us our comfort zone. But I don't think we're ever supposed to be tied to it. I don't think we're ever supposed to be held down, held in the boat when Jesus calls us out of the boat. But it doesn't start there, and that's good news. Like for most of us, Jesus doesn't call us out of our boat, out of our comfort zone that far out on the water from the get-go. And he didn't with Peter. You see, prior to this, there was another boat. In Luke 5, Jesus meets Peter in his boat. And I think it's such an important distinction. Because for us, it could be frightening to take steps out of our comfort zone, but when we look back and we remember how we met Jesus and how we've walked with Jesus and how we've seen Jesus show up in our lives and the lives of people around us, and then when it comes to the moment when he calls us out of our boat, we can be sure that he's going to immediately reach out his hand and help us. In Luke 5, we see Jesus meet Peter in the boat, in his comfort zone, on his terms. Jesus just happens to be preaching by the shore that Peter just happens to be sitting by in his boat. I don't believe in happenstance in the Bible, do you? Or in life? Peter's sitting there in his boat, you know, just hanging out, mending his nets. I don't know what boat people do. And... (laughs) Jesus is preaching and Jesus says, hey, Peter, can I get in your boat and can you push off from shore? I'd like to teach the people from there something about the acoustics, I think. Or maybe it was about Peter. (laughs) Maybe. Jesus begins to preach and teach and Peter, you know, it wasn't a big ask for Peter. Peter's a boat guy. Anybody a boat guy in here? Last December, I got the chance to speak in San Diego and Pastor Steve Boshan, I don't know if you know him, his church and Pastor Boshan owns a boat and I actually preached this sermon and when I got done, he's like, you want to go on my boat, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you're a boat guy. I know if you're a boat guy, you always invite people on your boat. He takes me out on San Diego Bay. You know, this missionary life is terrible. Uh, if you're a boat guy you're comfortable in your boat this is not a big ask at first Peter's like yeah come on my boat let me show you around my boat feel free man I I can kind of like hang out over here and do my thing you can do your thing that's good it was on his terms like Peter's terms there was no great step of faith there was no leap at first the relationship though builds in this moment and begins to build and then Peter sees Jesus power and then Jesus asks more of him. Jesus called Peter out of the boat but not before Jesus met Peter in this boat and what that might look like for me and you is that in high school I had a a young lady named Katie Smith who shared the gospel with me over and over and over until one day it took Uh, One night on the phone, it took. And it made sense. And the Holy Spirit called me to be His. For most of us, it's a friend, or a family member, a pastor, a neighbor, somebody that tells us about this Jesus. And then the relationship begins to build. We see God do some things and show up in our lives Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with your boat, church. There's nothing wrong with your comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with your current situation. But I will tell you that there's more. There's more. But in order to see it, you need a step of faith. We all need a step of faith. And we need another step, another step, and another step. Let me say it like this. You need to do something that you've never done before so that you can see God show up in a way that he's never shown up before in your life. You need to do something you've never done before so you can see the plan that God has for your life. Follow is an active term. Jesus said, follow me. We're meant to step into the footsteps that he places in front of us, into the good works that he puts in front of us to do. I don't know your situation. I don't know your faith journey. Listen, there might be people in here who have not said yes to Jesus, and let me tell you, that's the step. Like, that's the first step. If you've not said yes to the Jesus who as God came to be a man on earth to live a life shrouded in difficulty and and death and sadness and frustration and all the stuff that we go through and to do it without sinning, to do it without messing up, to do it without the separation from God that we have because of our sin, to live a perfect life and to die on a bloody Roman cross that he didn't deserve because I messed up, because you messed up, to die a death he didn't deserve, to be placed in a tomb that wasn't his, to stay in the ground for three days, to rise again in life, and to tell us to go into all the world and make disciples and tell people this good news that they can be saved if they just call out to him. Listen, if you've not done that here today, I told you a moment ago, I don't believe in coincidences. I think maybe God has you here for a reason. In this place. With these people. And it's not going to be easy. But it's going to be a step of faith that changes all eternity for you. For your family. Hopefully for those around you. And then for those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, there's going to come a day when Jesus bids you come. Step out of the boat. you want to stay safe. But I can tell you something, if you take a step out of your boat, that there is a miracle on the other side of that. There's a young lady named Johanna who knows this all too well. I heard another pastor say this, so I I don't want to steal it and use it without telling you that another pastor told the story. It's from his church in Sweden. But Johanna's story is incredible. She's 16 years old at the time that this story happened, and she heard her pastor preach a sermon on taking steps of faith, on being a visible temple in her community, on sharing her faith with people. And she got together a group of friends, all 15, 16 years old, and they started a prayer group because they didn't know what else to do. And one day, Johanna is walking down the side of the street to this prayer group, and she's sort of praying to herself, preparing herself for this prayer group. And she decided to do something crazy. She decided to ask God to show up right then and there and give her an opportunity to share her faith. uh, Like, do we have that kind of faith? Like Johanna is walking down the street and she just says, God, use me now. And then she does the incredible. She opens her eyes and looks around. <laughs> I don't know if we do that. I don't know if we do that with an expectation that God's going to show up in that moment. But maybe we should. Johanna looks around and coming towards her down the street is a young lady about her age who's on a phone, who's crying into the phone. They don't know each other, but Johanna says, this is odd because Swedish people don't walk around crying in public. They're very stoic as a culture. They're not Americans. We're the crazy ones. When we travel around the world, people are like, oh, it's the Americans again. (sighs) We're the loud ones. But... This young lady's walking towards her on her phone. She's crying, and Johanna said, I, don't know. I didn't know what to do, so I just said, God, what do I do? And the only thing she could think of to do was to put her arms out like this. And right at this moment, the young lady looks up for her phone, from her phone call, and she sees Johanna standing in front of her with her arms out wide, and she just runs into Johanna's arms. Johanna gives her a big hug, asks her to go to the small group, ask if they can pray for her. They walk away. They get to the small group. Everybody prays over her. They tell her about a Jesus who loves her so much that he gave his life for her so that she could be saved. They exchange email addresses, Johanna. Uh, the young lady leaves. Johanna and them finish up the prayer group. A week later, they get uh, Johanna gets an email from the young lady, and it says, "I need to tell you my story. See, I didn't really even tell you that day, but when I saw you on the street, I was walking home to commit suicide. I was only a few blocks from home when I looked up from my phone call with my favorite aunt. That's why I was crying." I was saying goodbye. And I looked up from that phone call and I saw you with your eyes, I mean with your arms open wide and I don't know why but I ran into your arms because I needed that hug. And then you took me to this prayer group and all these people told me about this Jesus who loves me so much. And I felt so unloved. I felt like nobody would care if I killed myself. And then you guys told me about Jesus, and I need this Jesus. She comes to church. Johanna shares her faith again with her. The young lady gets saved. She gets baptized. She joins the group. (sighs) Johanna was a visible temple. Johanna took steps of faith when it would have been easier not to. And the pastor who's telling this says the only thing he could think of when they came and told him this story was that that day on that street, Johanna represented somebody else when she stood with her arms out wide. She represented Jesus. church, we're meant to be. Do something Christians. We're made to be. Do something Christians. We're made to take step after step after step of faith. You guys have given to our Fiji nutrition centers with mana for the last several years. And these centers have been able to grow and thrive as a result. Some of you have been there with me. If you've not been there, you need to go there as soon as we can possibly get tickets uh, and visas and all that stuff. But our centers have been able to grow. And to thrive. I told you earlier some some good news about all of this COVID stuff. When COVID shut the world down, all of our centers around the world were trying to figure out what to do, same as we were. And all these centers in 50 countries, 225 different orphanages and nutrition centers and schools and medical clinics, all trying to share the gospel through these local churches and these local bodies of believers that are starting these projects and loving on their communities through them. They all began to try to figure out, how do we continue to love people and serve people in this moment? And many of them, most of them, were able to start just taking food out to people's houses. We did a little bit of kind of door-to-door work in Fiji while we were there and going around and sharing the gospel. And there's something different about being invited into someone's home, especially when the world is saying, it's all about me. Stay to your own. Don't worry about everybody else. Take care of you. Stay in your house. Stay away. And so in our centers around the world and in Fiji included, they were able to start going out and giving food. Our our ladies and, and, and men that serve in these centers were able to continue to cook and continue to take food and to go into people's homes and to people's homes. And you're going to these Muslim and Hindu people's homes and you're telling them, Jesus loves you so much that he sent me to give you this food to sustain you. But he is the sustainer. And so we've heard these beautiful stories of people getting saved and lives being changed. Our Fiji sinners, we now have Lotoka and Suva, and then there's a deaf school sort of in between the two that we've been able to begin to help as well. This is a deaf school where people come from islands throughout Fiji to come to this school because they don't have that specialized schooling where they are. And they're gonna take this Jesus back out with them and that's incredible. There are mosques in every little town and village in Fiji that we we went through when we were there. Remember I mentioned a moment ago that there's no homeostasis? We're fighting a battle for people. There are mosques and Hindu temples throughout the Fiji Islands and throughout the world The Muslim influence is growing in Fiji. By God. God's doing a work. He's gonna continue to do a work. Some of the kiddos with their their full Muslim garb just are emblazoned in my mind and on my heart to say they matter, church. These centers take about three to five hundred dollars a month total, about six thousand dollars annually to run. You guys have been a part of that, and I want to encourage you to continue to be a part of that. You've got these cards spread out throughout the sanctuary that uh, some of the kids ran around and put out before, because it saved me some steps. I didn't have my Fitbit on anyway, so it wouldn't have counted. Uh, But you guys pick up a card and take a look at it. Hopefully we've got enough for each family to have one And I want to just challenge you to say that you'll get involved. That you'll take a step of faith. That you'll be a do-something Christian today. To say, these kids matter. These families matter. And that as we're able to share the gospel with them in their houses and in our centers in Fiji, that you want to be a part. So... On the front side, you see uh, some of what we do. On the back side of that card, you can begin to just fill out, put your name, and you don't necessarily have to put your address and all that stuff, but you can put your name and your email address so we can send you updates. Um, You can mark on there that you'll sponsor a child at $28 a month, or you'll sponsor one annually, or you'll sponsor one for however much. And just go ahead and fill those out and plan to give those to me. I'm going to hang out at the back uh, after service for a few minutes. Um, $6,000 a year. 300 to $500 a month. Notice my math on the 500 to 6000 Because that's what we'd like to have because then we can grow what we're doing. But we can be a part of eternity for these kids. I want to pray and wrap up and... I'll let you guys pray over and consider what you can do and go ahead and fill the cards out if you can. Give them to me today. If you can't, give them to Pastor next week. Um, But plan on getting involved and you can give that through Meadowview. You can just give that in just like you give your normal tithes, hopefully. Your normal giving. I always try to mention at least a couple times, but I forgot to before, so I'll mention it now. If you're not currently giving to church, don't give to this project as your first gift. Give to your church. And then take a step of faith, another step of faith, and say, I want to be a part of these centers in Fiji. I want to impact kids on the other side of the planet and families on the other side of the planet. And see how God moves. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for bringing us here to this place. God, for every family represented here, God, I ask that you will, that you'll move, that you'll show us the next step of faith we're meant to take. God, that you'll give us the courage and the direction, that you'll give us the push in that direction. Father, I thank you for Jesus and what he's done. I thank you for the opportunity to get to be a part of these centers in Fiji and around the world so that we could see your kingdom come, so that we could see your will be done here. Father, I thank you for this mission and this message that you've given us. God, use us.